What would you do if you had to figure out how to photograph something in deep space that nobody knows is really there? This question and more get answered on Teamistry, the new podcast from Atlassian. Hosted by filmmaker Gabriella Cowperthwaite, Teamistry looks past the front page headlines and into the untold stories of teams behind groundbreaking moments. Each episode examines how the extraordinary chemistry of these teams made the impossible possible. Download Teamistry for free wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more at Atlassian.com. Hi, I'm Danielle Radojcin, and welcome to episode 11 of the ASOS podcast, My Big Idea. I'm here in the ASOS canteen in London to chat to Amber Atherton all about how she went from selling jewellery out of the spare room at her parents' house, age 16, to starring in a TV hit show, to running her successful brand, My Flash Trash, today. Here's Amber's Big Idea. Hi, Amber. Hi, Danielle. Nice to see you here. Thanks for coming to ASOS. Oh, no problem. I love coming to hang out in your canteen. Um, So how's my flash trash going? My flash trash is going well. We've just launched in Topshop, Oxford Circus. So we are just overseeing that at the moment and the launch of our new charm jewellery range. So that's exciting. Wow. Um, So it's actually been going for quite a long time. I mean, you've been in a businesswoman for quite a while now. I know you started when you were very young, like 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I started various businesses throughout my childhood and online websites. And then when I was 16, I started sourcing jewellery and selling it at school. And then I made a WordPress blog and used to just take photos of the jewellery on my friends and put it on the blog. And then people would email me to buy it. So you've always had a head for business, it seems. Do you think, have you always, what made you like that? I think so. I think um, my parents always really encouraged me to start my own business. I mean, my dad's a my dad's a pilot, but he was always very entrepreneurial, and um, so I was fed a lot of business books from an early age, and that really inspired me to start out on my what own. What kind of business books? Uh, I mean, I got sent all of the well, not sent, got you know given sort of by my dad all of the rich dad poor dad books which are quite oh. cliche american self-help books but quite motivating rich dad poor dad rich dad poor dad by can you just find those on amazon or yeah amazon is there a special place or, you have to go? yeah just amazon yeah i think his name the author's robert kiyosaki yeah so those were those were very inspirational and then from then on i was just voraciously reading all of them from Richard Branson's book to Warren Buffett's book just had them all on the go all the time and are there any online resources that you use that are good Um, to go to if you're trying to start your own business online resources Virgin actually have a great platform called Virgin Pioneers and they document a lot of entrepreneurs stories there and there's then there's magazines like Inc and Entrepreneur um, Business Insider most of the online tech websites have enterprise sections are they all free yeah they're all free so I, I check them out uh, on my sort of daily daily blog roll are they good ones to follow on social who are good on social like, um, on- I, do you know Fashionista actually has got a really Really great business section and they really focus in on fashion entrepreneurs and um, as well as obviously business of fashion yeah and what about because you obviously chose jewelry as a business mm. thing what made you why did you choose jewelry and then how did you go about researching it i think i never was 
passionate about jewelry in the beginning. It wasn't my passion. It was just a product out of other products that I was selling. But I noticed that my eye for what I was choosing, that's always had the best sell-through out of the other, you know, sort of bags and things that I was selling at the time. And I just decided to focus on that one area because the margins were brilliant and the products sold through better than anything else. So I think it's always good to have a have a focus and a niche in the beginning before you scale and extend the products. And in terms of researching your area, yeah. how much time do you put into that? Well, as we progressed on from being a blog to a marketplace, I was really fortunate to meet... So just to clarify, so a blog hmm. is just when you're... Oh, so a blog was the early days where I was just writing it and selling the jewellery. And then a designer approached us to sell on the blog. So from that designer, we had one selling her jewellery, and then another, and then another, and then another. And that's what made it became, become a marketplace exactly. as opposed to yeah. just the blog. So we became a leading online jewellery marketplace in the UK with over 100 designers from all over the world. And I was really fortunate to meet all of these different jewelry designers and go to their studios and learn skills from them. And How I'd, did you meet them? I used to, I mean, in the beginning, I used to go down to like Brick Lane and Portobello and source designers there. And then I moved on to using trend forums online because this was before Instagram or Twitter. So the best way to find it was... Um, online like blogs about trends what's your method when you approach someone that you don't yeah. met before that you want to work with or you like their work mm-hmm. your, in your case jewellery what's your approach I used to first of all very uh, research them as much as I could you know who, who is this person behind these designs where are they based what's their story what type of metals do they use can I find out any other information about them before I reach out so that it's respectful you know I know um, what they're about and then I would send a very formal polite email and well, they just tell reply. me like how formal like what's your because I mean email as a mode of mm. con- of um, contact someone can be it's quite yeah. it's quite weird sometimes being really formal in an email it is, is it very weird. much like dear missus or dear miss so and so is it just like hi Sarah or I do how find do you start it increasingly strange to have the formalities of dear and sincerely in an email format but I think when you're first approaching someone it it always helps to just be overly polite uh, so I think the first way to go in is just be very overly polite and then you can follow up with different tactics I think often just one line emails work very well um, because yeah, people love are so to be in. busy. Yeah, people yeah. are so busy, especially if you're trying to get an appointment with someone. One tip I would say is mm. that if you want to try and meet someone, don't say, oh, could, could we have a meeting? They, they Be really specific. Are you free on Tuesday the 24th at 3 o'clock or perhaps Wednesday at 5 <laughs> o'clock? Because that has a much better acceptance rate than a sort of a vague date in the future. Um, and then obviously um, you're also known because you were then cast in a very famous TV show, mm-hmm. reality TV show made in Chelsea, Yeah, um, which must have changed things for your business yeah, quite a lot. It really, it really did. Um, I think... What happened? So prior to Made in Chelsea, my first trash was sort of very niche fashion. We Our average selling price was over £500. We sold diamonds. We sold very luxury jewellery. And we were often in high fashion publications. And our customers were definitely older. And then when I got involved in Chelsea, we just had an influx of 
teenage traffic, thousands of teenagers coming to the website every day, but there was no conversion rate because our product price was so high. So we immediately sort of pivoted our product price and merchandising to cater for that customer and it just gave us a mass sort of commercial awareness for the brand as opposed to being the sort of more niche fashion jewellery boutique that we were before. And how did you manage to run your business and be in a reality TV show at the same time? Well, this was probably why in most of Made in Chelsea I'm wearing little to zero makeup, my hair is in a bun. I would honestly... Run, it was just so chaotic. I would, all the other girls would sort of get up, have their have a makeup artist, have their hair done. I'd run into the office, doing conference calls, sorting things out, blah blah blah, blah and then they'd be like, "Okay, go go. We're meeting in location in Chelsea." And I don't even live in West London, so I'd come all the way from Shoreditch and then go all the way over there, arrive on set, and just be thinking all about business in my head. So all of these sort of silent scenes, I'd be like, "Hmm, okay, when do I need to get back to the office?" And like, what did everyone else think product? about you doing that? Or the other cast members? Well, they think I think you're a bit weird. They probably. <laughs> I was a bit weird and just a bit of an outsider yeah. because they would all be like talking about their relationships and I'd be like mm, I wonder what the export duty is to Korea like just in the corner or like doing always bringing my laptop to do emails um, and do you think that sort of with, in terms of how people perceived you after that show because obviously mm-hmm. it's called Made in Chelsea and it's supposedly about posh people yeah. do you think what do you say to people who think that oh you know you're just from a privileged background so of course it was easy for you to start a business mm-hmm. or um, well I think that it does give me a stereotype being born in Chelsea but I think the reality is so <laughs> it's just so far removed from that yes I was very lucky to have a fantastic education but my, my parents are you know my parents are from Northampton my dad's a pilot worked you know incredibly hard to get the family you know to be able for me to go to that school and everything I've done has been total graft and hustle by myself I was given no contacts no network whatsoever from my parents other than business books I really did teach myself everything so I think um yeah it's difficult to escape the stereotype that the show gives Mm. you but they give you some really good stuff in terms of um, exposure I guess so did people come and offer to be invest in your brand after you've been on the show it was I, we got our first angel investment before the show started. What does, what's angel investment? So when you raise money, the first round that you normally do is a friends and family round. But I sort of skip that, not having a sort of wealthy family friend situation. So you then go out to raise from angels who are individuals with capital to invest. So... Um, just per chance. How do you find them? Do they come to you? Or it was do you really, sort of know about I mean, people? it was a very organic meeting for me. I, I had been approached by some big venture capital firms, but I had no idea what that was when I was like 19. I, I, I was probably a bit arrogant and youthful about that. No, I don't have time to meet you. Um, but <laughs> I, um, I did actually take some of those meetings and they were. I think just always throwing yourself into situ- into the unknown just builds your... Ex- the more you can be in situations you find yourself feeling awkward in, the better, because yeah. you just learn. Embrace the fear Embrace sort of thing. Embrace the fear, 100%. I used to walk into these meetings of like massive billion-dollar venture capital firms and I was 19 and I was like, oh, I've got a business called My First Trash. And they were just as bemused as I was probably so how what, what's your advice for people who are going into those kind of meetings I mean what kind of what's it, what should you wear like how? well I think you should have your own sense of style don't conform to wearing a sort of a shirt and a suit if that really is not you I think just be 
So they don't expect you to be wearing no, formal I mean, office all wear? I mean, all tech entrepreneurs wear sort of T-shirts all the time. But isn't it good then maybe to like jazz it up a bit? Yeah, jazz it bit, up, yeah. look stylish, yeah. reflect your own personality, <laughs> but, you know, just be modest. Don't be wearing clothes that might detract from your right. intelligence. You don't want to get money for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and are there any key questions that you think it's good to ask if you're meeting up with potential investors? Yeah, I think if you are, yeah, you're, ra- you're raising money, you don't seem too excited or that you really need it. You know, you don't need it. There are, there are loads of options out there for you. So you want to be extremely confident in your proposition and probably a little bit coy. Don't give away everything. And what I've learned as well is to... Just be calm. Be passionate and excited about your idea. But the sort of the calmer you can be, take your time to answer their questions. Don't immediately rush in to answer. It just makes you look naive. I think just keep it slow and and mature. Right. Okay. Good. That's good. That's good advice. Um, and then in terms of networking, mm. I have actually seen you at a party once, and I know like. You're, I think you're good at networking in the sense you are. Um, <laughs> what are you like when you, you know, you go to a party or you go to some event and sometimes those things can be quite intimidating, especially if people don't know you or on the flip side, if people have a kind of preconceived notion about you. Mm-hmm. How do you just go up to people? How do you mingle? How do you go up to people and make contacts? Meet? Yeah, I think... The first thing I would say is that if you're not feeling on good form and you're not sure if you want to go, I just wouldn't go. Just stay home? (laughs) Yeah, just stay home. I think it's always better to not go than to go and give an impression that is not the 100% best version of you. So, But then part two of that is how you do network and go up to those strangers. I've learned so much from Americans in that in the sense that they are just so bold and fearless talk to you in the elevator talk to you in the cafe oh hi what are you doing and I, I their, their just fearlessness of conversation really impacted my own ability so do you just want to sit up to people stick your hand out and say hi I'm Amber um, or you, do you wait for an introduction I think I think it's go with what you're most comfortable with if you want you can definitely go up to people people are always thinking about themselves and their own their own insecurities they're not even really aware of you so i think that's one thing to remember so if you want to go up and either go for a more casual approach you know comment on the atmosphere of the event or oh do you know you know sort of a more casual comment or you can just go straight in and say Maybe give them a compliment. Oh, I really love do you your, have, your Do you shoes. carry business cards? What, what's uh, the... No, no. It's the amount of business cards I've had printed in my life that I could make a business card house. It's just What do people ridiculous. do for business cards now? Is there a kind of digital version? Mm, never, like, I, really I, sure these days what people do. Just, I really... I think if you've got a startup, the first thing that most startups do is spend a ridiculous amount on stationery and business cards and packaging. Seems quite weird in this day and it's just to totally do that. not necessary. It's just an ego thing, and it, you just don't need them. Um, so, so what do you do instead? I just take people's email. I, I will email them on the spot. So I had a meeting with um, some, uh, some people from America the other day, and and I was just oh let me just write you an email now. Just don't give them the opportunity to say no. Love it. Um, okay, and then so lots of celebrities have been snapped wearing my flash t- crash jewellery, and I know you've said that when the Duchess of Cambridge wore it, it had a massive impact on sales, as you'd expect. Who are other celebrities who have had a big impact on sales for you? 
It's actually surprising that online influencers, vloggers and bloggers and Insta girls have actually a Any longer in particular? impact. Um, I mean, Tanya Burr is wonderful and she did a wonderful video and the impact of her featuring my fast trash jewelry in her in her video that she was wearing it was longer than that of the duchess of cambridge longer how do you mean by longer, longer in terms of the amount of traffic and the amount of sales it drove to the site how do you get these people to wear your stuff i think in the early days i was it's just persistence just persistently contacting them but also it's a lot more difficult now because a few years ago not everyone had agents whereas everyone has agents now so you have to get past them somehow how do you get past an agent just social media i think i think you've got to just be direct with them and actually try and get yourself in front of them somehow i think that is an advantage (laughs) it is a bit stalkerish actually be careful i think that is an advantage that I have those being able to meet people in real life is yeah. massive because everything. But you business. have to get to a point where you meet them in real life in the first place, I guess. So yeah, so persistence I think, is quite a good tip. I think persistence, and I think just again, it's just researching them. You know, what, what instead of being sort of fangirly about it, give them something that they would react to that's intelligent or like what, like um, for example, if you were trying to get in touch with. With, uh, with Tanya, maybe, you know, you want to give her some tips on something that she's been looking for so that it's useful information. She notices you or maybe um, you want to send her a cool image or a cool little personalized video of her with your products in. Um, things like that and you can I mean just the the amount of business deals I've done through social media is ridiculous so it really is about persistent communication and giving and finding out something unique like case in point I once applied to do an advertising internship uh, when I was sort of 17 or something and I got one of those giant Millie's cookies because I kept sending emails to the generic email and no one was getting back to me and I was like right something has to be done about Millie's this Millie's cookies is that uh, you know that, those Millie's cookies that you get at the train yeah. station yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah I love those so um, I got one of those giant cookies and I split it in half and I took the other half out, ate the other half and then put my CV in the other half and then I sent it to the guy. <laughs> I found out where this advertising agency was, walked in there and said, oh, this is a delivery for well, name of guy. In. Yeah, name <laughs> of guy who was on the accounts. So I sent him this cookie and I put my, um, you know, my email address on my CV and everything. And I said, you know, I'm the other half to this beyond weird and he emailed me within like half an hour being like that is the weirdest thing that's ever (laughs) happened to me um but come in come back in and come and have an interview so i went back in embrace the weirdness you know it can have an impact an original approach to getting a job yeah and so what so finally um my flash trash obviously successful do you have plans for expanding it further what what, yeah, what are your so, thoughts for it um, we do 40% of our sales to America currently and we've just launched in Forever 21 over there and some cool concept stores so I'm excited about maybe starting a team over there and having a satellite office in California um, which will be really exciting and just to continue you know we want to be a multi-million dollar business so it's just a, a journey of determination to get it to there that's great thank you very much thank you so much Danielle so that was Amber Atherton talking about her big idea 
Tune in next week to hear the next My Big Idea and check out previous episodes on Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Bye. Upwork has the world's largest network of independent professionals. So if you need a go-to designer, a video editor, or a social media specialist for six days or six months, Upwork is how. And it's basically like they're right here in your office. Except they're not here here, so they can't hear Greg's remarkably loud typing. Hey, buddy! I take it back. You can hear that from anywhere. And Upwork professionals are proven, rated, and reviewed. When you need in-demand talent on demand, Upwork is how. Upwork is how.